Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. It talks about being clothed with power from on high. It talks about being baptised in the Holy Spirit. Put that in English, that means soaked, dunked in the Holy Spirit. It talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It talks about the Holy Spirit coming on people, the Holy Spirit falling on people, all sorts of descriptions of the, of the experience of the, the Christians in the New Testament. But if you follow the, the, the descriptions of the Holy Spirit's visitation in Acts, I think there's a couple of things that I would say about it. Firstly, no one who had the Holy Spirit in those days was any, in any doubt about what had happened to them. It wasn't some little private experience in their heart. Well, I just felt so sweet this morning. and I just felt God's love coming to me in a fresh way. It wasn't like that. It was something dramatic happened to people. Their mouths were open. They started praising God. They started prophesying, speaking in tongues. They were transformed individuals. They knew they'd met with God. And I believe that is our joy and privilege as well as Christians to know that. Now, why does the New Testament describe the coming of the Holy Spirit in all those different ways? Well, I would suggest to you two things. Firstly, this is an experience that is different for everyone. Um, it's, it's difficult to um, try and reproduce. I, I can, I'm going to tell you a bit how I was baptised in the Holy Spirit later on and what effect it had on me. But that is not a, a template for each of you. You're all individuals. You're going to have different experiences of the Holy Spirit. So I think that is reflected in the language of the New Testament. There are different descriptions of the coming of the Holy Spirit because it is different for all of us. And God is sovereign and God does what he wants to do with us. The second thing is I think these pictures are designed to try and stir faith and expectation in us. But they can also have a negative, a negative effect. Now... One of the descriptions of the Holy Spirit is being filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know whether you've ever had this sort of teaching, but when I was a young Christian, I was, I was um, given this sort of teaching. Your cup is like a, a cup of water, okay? Like a cup, and it needs to be filled with water. Well, you know, it needs to be full of the Holy Spirit, like a cup being filled. And then you need to really walk carefully all the way through your day, because if you get jogged by someone or upset by someone, oh, well, bit more, bit spilled, or maybe it's got a few leaks in it, your cup, and therefore it's going to keep needing filling up over and over and over again. That was the sort of picture that um, was given to me. I don't think that is a helpful picture. I don't think that is a New Testament picture. And I'll tell you why, because that is a picture of all about little old me. It's all about me having my own experience of God, me being full of the Holy Spirit. But the whole point of the fullness of the Holy Spirit is not really about me. It's that I can touch others with the power of God. And so I would say it's a better picture to think of your life as like a pipe. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're like a pipe pouring out water, blessing, power on every person you meet.
It's another beautiful description of the fullness of the Holy Spirit in John 4, when Jesus meets the woman at Samaria, and she's a thirsty woman in all sorts of ways. She's going on this long journey to the well and back every day to try and get her, her, her water for her life, as well as her body. And Jesus says to her this, he says, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But he who drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. For the water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. <clears throat> and that, I believe, is a much better picture of the, of the New Testament description of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's having a resource within you which just keeps bubbling up and bubbling up and bubbling up. And of course you mess up. And of course you make mistakes, but that doesn't stop this beautiful Holy Spirit coming up and refreshing you day after day, moment by moment. That's what our lives should be like. Now there are two, briefly, I'm not going to go into this deeply, and I'm not going to particularly come down on one side or the other, but there are two main theologies, or two, two ways of, of teaching about this. I suspect you have come, you know, several of you have come from different churches, um, and you will probably, have, you may well espouse one of these views. Um, well, you'll almost certainly espouse one of them, because I think these are the only two views I'm aware of. But the standard, the standard evangelical view of baptism of the Holy Spirit is you get the Holy Spirit when you're saved. So, we are born again of the Spirit of God, which is true. Romans 8 verse 9, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So that is implying that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives as soon as we become a Christian. Absolutely right. I entirely agree with that. The other sort of more Pentecostal view is there is a second experience after conversion where you are baptised, filled, immersed in the Holy Spirit. So, where do we stand on this? I don't want to get into I do. I do hold to that second view to some extent. But I want to say a couple of caveats to that. First of all, conversion in the New Testament is utterly different from what we experience today. So if, for instance, you said to a new Christian in the New Testament days, he said, were you baptised in water when you were saved? They would say, yes. Because if you read through Acts, every single person who was saved in Acts is baptised in water immediately. They didn't wait around for months or weeks. In fact, the Philippian jailer was so desperate, he didn't even wait till the morning. It was the middle of the night. He immediately gets baptised in water. So for a New Testament Christian, yes, you came to Christ, you were baptised in water, you received the Holy Spirit, and you were committed to a church community. That was New Testament conversion. Would that it was like that for us today. But it isn't, is it? I would, I would, is there anyone here in this room who would baptise the same day they became a Christian, baptised in water? I doubt it. Very uncommon in our day to see that sort of immediacy. So I would say, yes, of course, you could and should be baptised in the Holy Spirit the same, but most of us, it's not the case. <coughs> Secondly, we're not just talking about a one-off experience 
Like, I can tick that off on my, my tick list, yes? I've been baptized by the Holy Spirit, done that, finished with that, don't need to deal with that anymore. It's not like that at all. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is meant to be a baptism into a whole new lifestyle, a supernatural experience of God. Thirdly, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is not meant to be a one-off, once-in-a-lifetime experience. So, Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples and they're all baptised by the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts 4, they're praying to God and they're filled with the Holy Spirit again. So this is meant to be an ongoing experience, a life in the power of the Holy Spirit. Personally, I became a Christian when I was 18 at university. I think I was a genuine Christian. I made a commitment to Christ. I pray a prayer commitment. My life changed, my whole orientation changed, my motivations changed. I began to read the Bible, I began to pray, I began to talk to people about Jesus. Um, I was a committed Christian. But I knew, like that song said, that there must be more than this. That was my experience as a new Christian. There has to be more than this. I look at my Bible, and my life doesn't match up to what I'm reading in this book. So I began to seek to get to baptize in the Holy Spirit. And I was, actually, I was baptized in water, baptized, prayed for, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit moment. That had a radical difference to my life. I'm just going to run through the sort of things that happened to me because I was baptized in the Spirit. The first thing was, I was immediately made aware in a whole new way of the presence of God. I knew God was with me. Secondly, prayer became a delight, not a chore. And so I found myself wanting to talk to Jesus, wanting to sing to Jesus, using the gift of tongues to delight in, in, in my beautiful Saviour. I began to develop a, well, I developed um, a, a very much more intimate knowledge of sin, conviction of sin. I found I couldn't get away with things. I found the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me off the hook on different issues. He put his finger on things in my life, and he wouldn't let go until I sorted them out. I think I did, I did find an increase in boldness and ability to witness, but I think that was a more slow thing over, over sort of years after that. Three things that I would just like to deal with quickly as obstacle, possible obstacles, wrong ways of thinking, um, but this, evening, this morning we're going to have the opportunity for anyone who wants to, to receive the Holy Spirit for themselves, um, whether you've received the Holy Spirit ever before in your life or never before in your life, it's going to be an opportunity to respond, um, to receive the Holy Spirit again this morning. First thing, first of all, there is no need to wait. Some people believe there should be a waiting period, right? They take Acts 1 and they say, Jesus says, wait, wait in the upper room until you receive the Holy Spirit. And they had to wait about six weeks, actually, with the early disciples. But that waiting period is over, folks, because Jesus has died on the cross, he's risen from the dead, he's ascended up into heaven, and the Holy Spirit is now poured out. He's available. The river of God is full of water. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's no lack on God's part. 
There's no deficiency with God. His Spirit, He gives His Spirit without measure and He's available for us every moment of our lives and He's available for us right now this morning. So there's no need to wait. Second problem people often think of, oh, I'm not worthy. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not right, righteous enough. I'm sinning. I'm, I'm a bit of a mess. Um, how could the Holy Spirit possibly have any dealings with me? Because I'm unclean. I'm... I'm I've got issues in my life that haven't been sorted out. Well, I agree with you. Of course you're not worthy. You weren't worthy to become a Christian either. But God had mercy on you, didn't he? When you become a Christian, you receive the gracious mercy of God. The Holy Spirit is not given as a, as a sort of reward for good behaviour. It's not given as a reward for you cleaning up your life enough or impressing God enough to, to, to twist his arm to get the Holy Spirit. Not at all. In fact, exactly the opposite is true. If you feel that your life is a mess, that there are sins that haven't been dealt with and the things that are, are blocking you and trapping you and holding you captive, then that is why you need the Holy Spirit to come and break those things. There's a German theologian who said this, the, clear, the quickest way to clean out a pigsty is to divert the river into it. <laughs> it's, it's an awful job cleaning out a pigsty with a little shovel, trying to get every speck of dirt out of it. Much simpler, just divert the river through it, that'll clean it out nicely. Same with the Holy Spirit. We are diverting the Holy Spirit into our lives, the river of God flowing into our lives, throwing out all the mess, throwing out the rubbish. It's not a badge of honour. It's not a sort of thing that says, oh, I'm a special sort of Christian. No, it's, it's a basic component of the Christian life. This is basic Christianity. It's not advanced Christianity. This is meant to be the foundation for our lives. We turn to Christ. We believe the gospel. We get baptised in water. We receive the power of the Holy Spirit. We get knitted into a local church. Right, we've started. We're ready to go now. That's just the beginning. However, motives are important. There is a sense in which you just need to check your motive. Why do you want the Holy Spirit? And if you are in a position where you're saying that you're not prepared to change, if you're saying that you're, there's something, the sin active in your life that you don't want to let go of, then... I'm afraid you're not in a position to receive the Holy Spirit. So there is a sense in which you just need to check your motives and check your attitude. And then we're going to quick, quickly look at the scripture. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to read this to you. Um, and we're just going to see practically how do I receive the Holy Spirit. So Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Don't bother me, the door's now shut, my children shut and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, 
Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, says Jesus, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will the Holy Spirit, the will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Four simple things about how to receive the Holy Spirit. First of all, there has to be a desire within you, a determination to lay hold of God. I think the, the context of this passage is talking about this, this person who comes at midnight and knocking up his neighbour and saying, I'm not going away until you open the door to me. There is a sense in which there has to be an urgency in your heart, a, a thirst, a longing. Jesus said, if anyone's thirst, let him come to me and drink. If anyone's thirst, let him come to me and drink. So there has to be a determination, there has to be a desire. Yes, God, I've got to have this. Number one. Secondly, you have a good, good father. How much more? How much more? This father who loves you. Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, that you might receive the gift of the father. That's the Holy Spirit. That's how much it means to God and to Jesus. They paid the way for you to receive the Holy Spirit. He wants you. There's no doubt about his heart towards you. He wants you to be filled with his Holy Spirit. Thirdly, you need to deal with fear. Note in this passage how it says how, you know, if, if a father, <laughs> what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a serpent, fish give him a serpent? That's crazy, isn't it? And what? Well, possibly there are fathers in the world who could do that, possibly, but not in this room, I'm sure. Not in our imagination. How could possibly someone do that? And if that's true of earthly fathers, how much more of your heavenly father? He loves you. He's going to give you a good gift. How could that possibly harm you? And yet we have all sorts of thoughts in our mind that go through our minds. Oh, goodness me. If the Holy Spirit comes on me, what's, what's God going to make me do? He's going to make a fool of me. He's going to stop me being cool with my friends. He's, he's going to cause, make me do something I don't want to do. He's, he's going to embarrass me. He's going to, he's going to upset me. And we, all sorts of things come through our minds and fear starts to rear in our hearts. We need to put those things away. God is a good, good Father. He loves us. And then, it's really simple, you just ask, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You ask, you ask Him for this beautiful thing.